David Cunliffe remains about as popular in the Labour caucus as a pussycat at Gareth Morgan's house. Look, this is a la-la budget. When my eyebrow goes up, it's a joke. The police still arrest criminals in New Zealand. We've tried cannabis prohibition for the past 40 years. The fact is, that was a boring, useless speech. Zip it, sweetie, I'm getting there. Mr. Speaker, they say a week is a long time in politics. Hello and welcome back to the Iron Duke Podcast, your weekly recap of all things policy and politics where we run you through our peaks and our pits, interesting bits and anything that fits from Aotearoa and around the globe. I'm Maddie Burgess-Smith and I'm joined live at Iron Duke Studios with Principal Consultant Byron Terrace. It's great to be back on this, an Iron Duke budget special, that's right. All we're talking about today is the budget. The bougie. The bougie budget. Here it is. The balancing the books, the cooking the books, and making us bankrupt, apparently, was one of the takes as well out there. Someone today. thinks we're all going bankrupt. I know, exactly. I, that was happening for me with or without this budget, so no Fair need enough, to too. We need to pay you more. Anyway, so today's very simple. All we're going to do is go through our peaks and our pits of the budget. So Madison... Why don't you kick us off? Something that I've harped on about for a really long time is just kind of that that wealth inequality that starts to exist between men and women later on in life. And there are a whole number of contributing factors towards that. But one thing that time and time again people point towards is that when women take maternity leave to have children, there's no money going into their KiwiSaver account during that period. And obviously that compounds over time, right? So that money continues to make money. If you're not putting it in there, there's nothing to make money, right? So the government had come out with a relatively small announcement, but that was the first thing that lit my eyes up, to say that whilst someone is on parental leave, so this is mums and dads, the government will continue to make their KiwiSaver contributions provided the government is their employer. Yeah, so it's, so not, it's, not, it's not everybody, for everyone. right? It's not for everyone, but it's the government paving the way that says, look, we do want to be an equal opportunities employer. We are really committed to the wider gender wealth gap and, you know, we're doing something about it. So one of the smallest spends in the budget, that is my number one peak. What's so yours? a subsidy for public servants. That's what that is, essentially. They're actually paving the way for the private sector to get on board. They are showing real leadership here and pay equity, and I, I love it. Fair enough, too. My uh, tip of the peak, my peakiest peak, as they say, is actually the $3.1 billion for 3,000 extra public housing spots. The turnaround in the building of public housing is one of the signature achievements of our Labor government. There are close to 4,500 public housing places currently under construction. Now, $3 billion for an extra 3,000 housing adds up to about a $1 million per housing spot. However, this funding also includes horizontal infrastructure, purchasing of land, it includes all of the servicing costs and a bit of OPEX as well. So it's a pretty big appropriation. And if there's one thing that New Zealand has needed, and I think it doesn't really matter which side of the political spectrum you sit on, is a overall increase into our public housing stock. And so this is a fairly decent announcement. However, I do just in the back of my mind have in my kind of, oh, I don't know about this, who is going to build these houses, where are they going to be, and also I thought this was a budget about not injecting large sums of cash into the economy. However, I think we need more public houses, so that's my uh, pick. Well, totally, and I looked at that and thought, a million dollars a house, are you kidding me? Well, that's actually the average cost of a New Zealand yeah, it's home. It's pretty now. average, it's isn't it? pretty <laughs> average. I thought, Jesus Christ, we're putting you know community compounds in with swimming pools and tennis courts here, but we're, we're actually not, and it, it's quite reflective and quite honest, and I think that's something that this government had to be when they were referring to housing, because they've got such a poor record, you know, hundred thousand Kiwi bill homes yeah, never well, got out of the ground because it was unrealistic. So I yeah. think I think three bill three thousand. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. If they were serious about Kiwi build with these numbers, can you imagine the cost of that? 
The one challenge for this particular program, though, is they want 3,000 houses in the space of two years. So they're aiming to deliver 3,000 housing units by 30 June 25. So you're spending $3 billion mm. in a very, very short amount of time. Oh, when we know that the market is already constricted at every point of the supply chain. Exactly. So what's another good thing? What's another peak that you had? The other thing that got me excited was the wavering of your prescription fee. The government said that they're going to waiver that, they're just going to take on the entire cost. I am pleased to say that from the 1st of July this year, we are removing the $5 prescription co-payment for all New Zealanders. This seems like a lot of money, but for some Kiwis, in, in a cost of living crisis where Hipkins is going on about the bread and butter issues, this is actually what they are. And it's a pretty easy thing for the government to be able to do that actually alleviates a, a really expensive fee for a lot of families. You know, if, if you are someone who's living with a chronic disability or illness, you're already going to be making a lower income than the average New Zealander. You're already going to be more marginalised in a lot of spaces. So so fees like this actually start to make a difference. Yeah, I, I always, uh, I kind of looked at that cost and I thought, wow, that's already pretty subsidised and that's good. Waving it universally, though, for me, and subsidising wealthy New Zealanders and middle-class New Zealanders, again, just I feel as if the policy intent is as good as right. Uh, that's what we have the community services card for. That's what we have all sorts of other ways to support them. And to take $5 away from people that can afford the $5 yeah, feels like a mistake. but what has this government ever been targeted about? You could say the same thing about the fuel excise tax. I did say the same thing about <laughs> the fuel excise yeah, tax. Actually, right. you do. I, you went on record, so I'll eat my words there. But that is the nature of this government. When they are struggling, they just roll something out blanket. And we've always said this government is very good at stroke of the pen policy, very bad at getting things out of the ground. And this is the type of policy that they can execute because it's not that complicated. Are they effective? Let's look at the wage subsidy. Probably not. Universalism is, is the concept here, and it really does end up just going completely untargeted. And the wealthiest New Zealanders, they also see this benefit. Speeding tickets are completely untargeted, though. They are. It's regressive. Speeding <laughs> tickets are regressive. If you're Phil O'Reilly, you can afford to speed. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think uh, my next uh, kind of peak, I thought that was really good in the budget, was the expansion of the Warmer Kiwi Homes Insulation and Energy Efficiency Initiative. This is essentially, yes, subsidising those in the most vulnerable communities to increase the energy efficiency of their homes through hot water cylinders, through heat pumps and through insulation throughout the house. Warmer Kiwi Homes is estimated to have reduced electricity use by 16% on average over the winter months, as well as cutting the risk of respiratory illness and making homes drier and more comfortable. It is a true well-being policy. Now this is an interesting policy. It's a key policy. This came in in 2009. This oh, John Key. John Key, yeah, not like Lampton Key, <laughs> like John Key. It was made on Lampton Key, though. Yeah, John Key's kind of work... Uh, key policy. Key, key policy, that's right. And it's kind of become a bipartisan thing that both sides of politics are like, yeah, this is, this is, this is not too bad. One of the challenges, like with most of these uh, big spending, this is $400 million over four years, so it's not nothing to be balked at. The challenge with this is, who are the people that are out there that, that are going to do this? Our construction and building industry is already pretty contained. So we're going to find the people to do the installation. Mm. Always interested, again, just like you said, not quite a stroke of the pen policy. You've got to have people to actually implement it. But the beauty about something like this is it's not the government itself that implements it. They've just got to go out to the market and see if the market can do it. It's funny looking at the budget for someone like me, 26 years old, no kids. There was absolutely nothing in it. And then I saw this ping up and I was like, hey, I've got a cold, damp home. So go on. No, not eligible. 
Not, nah, not eligible. Not even remotely close to eligible. Someone who was celebrating the loss of $5 on their prescription, I thought you <laughs> may have been eligible if that was important for you, but obviously, obviously not. Now, everything obviously wasn't super positive in the budget. There were a few things that we were concerned about. So, Maddie, what was a pit? What was something you were a little bit disappointed to see in this budget? It wasn't any one announcement for me. It was actually a wider theme of them announcing all of the things that need to be paid for in order for the cyclone uh, recovery yeah, to yeah, exist, yeah. right? We're going to spend this anyway, right? Yeah, well, okay. As part of a, a functioning democracy, as part of a, a society in which I am taxed... We live in a society. That just forms my expectation of you as a government. Yeah, yeah. People go to work, make money, pay tax, so that on a rainy day, the government will rebuild. On the rainiest of rainy on the, days. On, the the rainy, <laughs> on a windy, rainy, slash-filled day, <laughs> the government will rebuild. And look, this is really at the core of what the government is supposed to do, so that they went and announced it as a big kind of, look at us go, yeah. when in truth, it's a billion dollars to go towards that cyclone flood recovery, a drop in the floodwaters to the 9 to $13 billion that has been projected by Treasury. So it's nowhere near enough. No, and also they got two bites of the cherry. Here's something we need to do. It's a billion dollars. And then they announce it again in the budget. Here's something we need to do. It's a billion dollars. And you kind of read the, the budget documents because that's what we do at Iron Duke Partners on your behalf. It's like, oh, so you, you were just going to spend this anyway. Mm. And that billion dollars doesn't actually get any extra capacity. No. It literally just gets you back to where you were as a region, East Coast. Yeah. Back to basically pre-cyclone levels. And it's frustrating because you think we would have learnt more following Christchurch and Kaikoura about if you just pause for a minute, and I, I government, I mean a minute, and think about how you could best spend that money to build back in the best way possible, that is what nation building looks like. Oh, that is what the future of New Zealand yeah. looks like. They talk but it's, about let's it. take this road that gets washed out yeah. and replace it with a road in the same place. Yep. Genius. And that is my frustration. And in terms of actually moving New Zealand forward, this budget didn't speak to that at all. So there I was, scrolling through these endless PDFs of budget documents, summary of initiatives at the bottom, see a little bit for tourism, some little millions here, millions there. And then I start to see how much money is being returned to government from underspend mm. in the tourism sector. Always spend your money. Always, Always spend, spend your spend money. All your money. And what ended up happening? Spend it with is Iron Duke Partners. We call us in March. The tourism sector ended up with less money, with net negative twenty one million dollars being put into it. And last time I checked in twenty nineteen, tourism was our number one export, and the government's actually giving it less money to support it. I thought, wow. You've just come back from three years off, basically having no customers. You're just getting mm. back to uh, getting back on your feet as an industry, and the government said, "You know what? You get net negative support this year." Fascinating, somber, small, sad, sad. There's nothing in it if you are a 25 year old female with no children. 26, because if you're 25, you oh, get to drive true. the buses. <laughs> half price, half price, half, half bus price, price buses. Nice. What else was kind of a bit down in the dumps for you? I don't really budget? have that many other sad things because I'm quite an optimistic and cheery person. I would pick the fact that Robertson, in his speech in the House, did not mention that they're increasing the tax rate for trusts from 33 to 39%. Now, this was a long time coming. When they changed that top tax bracket, you remember that? It's 180K? 180K, 39% income. Income. Yep. What did a lot of people do? They restructured their income so that it was now coming through or into a trust Correct. so that they were only paying 33%. Now, this is technically 
them fixing their own mistake. Now, the Nats will come and immediately undo this. I can almost guarantee it if they get into government. But the frustration is that for a lot of, for example, uh, a lot of rental properties are held in trusts, right? And we know that the vast majority of rental properties in New Zealand are owned by mum and dad investors. And so for them not to mention that, keeping in mind that after middle New Zealand here, for them not to mention that was a little bit cynical to me because that is going to cost some families a lot of money. And you, you mentioned this earlier today in the office, um, small business owners whose family home might be in a trust. And, that and that's goes, how they finance their business. There you go. All of a sudden that gets caught up in all of this kind of thing. Uh, it was a mistake in 2021. It was a mistake getting oh, those two tax. absolutely, not to move them at the same time. Not to time. move them at the same time, but to allow kind of two years, you know, a whole budget to go by last year to, and then just kind of softly announce it this year. It was it's, strange. It's interesting because there's a real eat the rich narrative going around at the moment, isn't there? Yeah, After yum, those yum, yum. Couple of those, After David Parker. Yeah, IRD yep, reports. Yep. And I'd, I'd wondered because, you know, you'd figured something like this was sort of coming. Don't it, worry, they're not going to eat you. In the in, <laughs> I, I am the eater. <laughs> I'm not the eater did, ah, okay? Okay, right, right, right. You'd kind of wondered if something like this was coming, but it's clear that their internal polling has said this is going to be less popular with Middle New Zealand mm. than it is going to be more popular Correct. with New Zealand. Middle New Zealand, you know that whole idea that those people that were not paying enough tax said, oh we're happy to pay more tax, whatever, well that was the 311 wealthiest families, the average Kiwi mm. who's got one rental property and a trust is not happy paying more tax and so the fact is they know that there are more votes out there to be won in that cohort of people than there are with people who are pissed off that people aren't paying enough tax. Exactly, that extra 6% adds $1.1 billion to the government oh, coffers yeah, over, three, over three years that's nothing to be balked at, that's not a small amount of money mm. um, and then you couple that extra tax take with an increase in GST take, an intra increase in income uh, tax, income tax and corporate tax, government's reeling in over the next three years eighty billion extra dollary dues. Mm. Eighty billion. And th and that is through no fiscal No, no movement of their own. No, it is literally absolutely. just inflation eating people's incomes. Driving the economy. Anyway, lastly from me, another pit as you may have picked up, Liz, dear listeners, I don't really enjoy subsidies. Not a huge fan of the old government stepping in where businesses and he should make money. Play video games. Hundred and sixty million dollars to subsidise the video gaming sector. Mr. Speaker, the game development sector is a growing part of our economy. In 2022, it contributed $400 million to GDP and is the source of high-value jobs that are driving export returns. He actually just hates like black t-shirt sneaker wearing. Uh, it's not the people. The people are fine. Euro. The people should go and make money. That's what they should do. They should turn a profit. And they to give them now. a to, to give well that's uh, to give them even more of a profit. To give them a twenty percent tax rebate to keep them in New Zealand is kind of like well. Now you're just, you know, you're trying to be, oh, we can't predict everyone going from Australia. You know, oh, they'll run away and all that kind of stuff. No, no, no. Why don't you try and fix some of the most difficult challenges in New Zealand with $160 million rather than just give it to firms that are most likely profitable? Well, it's interesting because you could even take that $160 million and make it more attractive to be here in different ways correct. than a That's subsidy, right? right? That's so right. So you could totally say correct. it's really easy to do business here. There are very few That's regulatory it. barriers. There are a lot of ways that the government will get out of your way and help yep. you succeed. It's really Help easy to attract here, talent you know, here. Move visas, here. Immigration uh, New Zealand is just the most wonderful place on the planet. Exactly. There is a lot more you could do. Uh, look, I'm, I'm supportive of it in the same way that I'm supportive of the film subsidy, if we want to be competitive for digital weightless exports, then we need to look at what the rest of the world is doing and unfortunately follow suit. And the case with the gaming sector is that we need to be 
well, obviously we're not, we don't have that first mover advantage. Australia's already done it, but we need to be a fast follower because we are losing Kiwi tech firms overseas. So the gaming sector is worth $400 million a year to the New Zealand economy, and they are now subsidised to the tune of 160. It's almost 50% value. Yes, but the idea is we attract more of them. Yeah, they do it through other mechanisms. Hate subsidies, don't like it, don't want to see it. Anyway. That's you. That's me. That's a bit of anger. I think all in all... I'm quite cynical about it. I think if you are middle New Zealand reading that budget today and you've got a couple of kids at home, so you've been you've, you've been a beneficiary of the, the headline policy, which was $1.2 billion to get under twos into 20 hours of free childcare, this makes a colossal f***ing difference. Like to the tune of hundreds of dollars a week. Yep. But not every New Zealander has a two-year-old. Not every New Zealander has a has a two year old, and also some of those really big chunky challenges that you know we face, whether it be labour shortages, productivity challenges. I just do not see addressed in this budget. I do not see business success at the core of this. I do not see growth. I see Treasury saying, "Yay, we're going to get to two percent GDP growth." What? Yeah, that's cripplingly flat. The frustration is that all the empirical evidence in a recession says that you need to accelerate your way out of it as rapidly as possible, and this is a real kind of holding pattern budget. We just want to keep people afloat. We're not pushing through the water. We're keeping people afloat. And worst of all, if they're trying to have a really high energy fiscal strategy, you know, it's an extra ten billion dollars worth of spending pumped into the economy with this budget, right? At the same time of having, you know, high sixes, almost 7% inflation, as we talked about eating people's incomes, eating people's, you know, disposable income, you've got to make sure monetary policy is talking to fiscal policy. And so what this budget has done today is given Adrian Orr all the ammunition he needs to fire both barrels at the next official cash rate rise, making it far harder for people that are renting or on mortgages. Last point from me, that was Grant Robertson's last budget. Yeah. Hot take. Yeah, I agree. It doesn't matter what way the election goes. Yeah. It was obvious when he was up there today. I think he's on the bus after the election. He is on the bus, the eat or get eaten bus. Yeah, I agree. Well, listeners, keep your wallets close. And your friends closer. <laughs> and until then, we'll, we'll see, see you next week. week.